Welcome back to We Like That Podcast. Because we like that. Calvin, that was eerie. It was <laughs> Happy Black History Month, Calvin. Happy Black History Month. That was Ken- Kendria Bland. She is on TikTok. She's on Instagram. She is hilarious. She does a lot of skits around Black history already. And she came out with this cipher featuring Harriet Tubman, uh, Shirley Chisholm, and Rosa Parks. And she plays all the characters. She's phenomenal. <laughs> Highly recommend. Check out her stuff. Just look for her name. K-E-N-D-R-I-A Bland. B-L-A-N-D. She'll pop right up. And that was what happened today in Black History. What did you think of it? I think it was all right. I actually understood what she was saying this time. <laughs> so she was kind of dope. I think Harriet Tubman needs to have a talk with Jesus because she's just killing a lot of folks. She had to in order to get this freedom. Bless her heart. But also, what did you think of the track? I don't know who laid down the music for her. Sounds like every little trap beat I've ever heard. I don't, well, so have you heard Megan and Nikki's ciphers at all? Or just what from what I've told you? From what you told me. Okay. Well, so Megan and Megan the Stallion and Nikki Minaj are having a feud right now, a rap beef, if you will. People are saying it's really just one sided. Um, and it's led to Nikki acting out. Very interestingly, uh, Megan put out a song called Hiss. And in it, she just, it's basically, it's a cipher about how, you know, her haters can continue to hate on her because clearly that's their job, basically. And she mentions Megan's law in it. She don't name <coughs> any names. But she mentions Megan's law. And if you're not familiar with Megan's law, that's a California law about pedophiles. Um, Nikki is married to a convicted, what is it, child predator? Sure. Okay. He refused to put his name on the list. <laughs> that signals that he is a child predator. Madness. She also, her brother also is allegedly one. She also has some scenarios that kind of attach her as one. It's a whole thing. Nikki then came out with her version. I, everybody's calling it um, right foot, left foot, red foot, blue foot. But people are like, what happened here? This feels unfinished. Feels like it was a thought. That came out. Because it was a thought. You said you didn't listen to it. I heard some of it. Okay. So this then led to Nikki unleashing her fans out to everybody. It's not the first time she's weaponized her fans to go and dox people 
and otherwise just terrorize these people that are talking bad about her, which they did. They were trying to dox a lot of social media influencers. Some of them are facing legal charges now because of those actions. Sounds like they have a lot of times on their hands to do nothing with their lives. But it's also Nikki, like, unraveling in real time on social media. She's just, like, going on and on and on. And people are like, is everything okay? So that's happening. Um, another artist jumped in the mix on TikTok. She also put out her stuff. I'm interested to see how far that's going to go. It was okay. It was fine. But Kendria Bland stuff, fantastic. Fantastic. All that to say, because I kind of jumped into that happened. This week, we're talking about our regular stuff per usual, life after lockup, 90 Day to Single Life. And we're going to talk about our latest worth the watch, which is Big Little Brawlers. That's on HBO Max or TLC or Discovery, depending on what you got. And we're going to just continue talking about that happened because I already started talking about it. That happened with Joey, 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 Joey. That happened with the Joe. So. There is a situation happening with Keith Lee and Sweetly Seasoned, in case you're not following any of that. Sweatly Seasoned, baby. Keith Lee is a food blogger, and we've talked about him before. He honestly is just a dude who goes to these restaurants, talks about his experiences trying to order the food, interacts with the staff, and what that food actually tastes like, and in his opinion, whether or not it's worth the price of admission. I give it a six out of seven. Y'all have a God-blessed fairing day. Thank y'all for It'd be a 6 out of 10. He does it on a 10-point scale. 6 out of 7. Anyway, um, and he's become hugely popular because of his, honestly, like, down-to-earth personality. He's, he's, he's like, the most I don't want to be a social influencer but happens to be a social influencer person right now. He went on a tour in Dallas. He ended up going to North Dallas and visited a truck called Sweetly Seasoned. and he recognized he was in the hood of Dallas. Sweetly Season had been going on a social media campaign of sorts to get him to come down to visit. The owner of Sweetly Seasoned, her son, was putting out videos and making t-shirts so Keith would come visit because he wanted that to help out with his mom because he was dipping into his pockets personally to help her keep his dream alive. Um, but also his friends got involved in also trying to help campaign to get Keith Lee to come down. He, when Keith Lee visits, he sees that the truck that's parked in the parking lot has a barber that's cutting hair and a hair braider that's also doing work and also helping in the truck. And he tries out the food. The thing he notes about the food when he's trying it, he gets a little pulled pork sandwich. He gets ribs and fries, like the meal. And he also gets jerk tacos that come with beans and rice. Then he gets two little... um banana pudding desserts as well. What do you think all of that would have cost? $873.95. Close. It cost him $80 for this food. He's like, that's a little high for what I got, but I understand this is your food truck. It's made to order. Yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. He tries the food and he actually likes the food. It's favorable to him. So he goes back to Sweetly Seasoned, introduces himself and does the Keith Lee thing. He says he's going to post it on social medias that he went to this place and he really liked it. And he gives out tips. He's known for giving out generous tips. He gives the owner $2,000. And then he tells the owner he's going to give 1000 to the barber so that they can put that towards free haircuts. And he's going to give 1000 towards the braider so they can give, she can continue to braid 
some other people for free. And y'all have a blessed day now. He's, he hands the braider who's working in the truck with the lady at the time his credit card. It says charge 4000 to my card because that's what I would have all added up to. And then divvy that up the way you guys see fit. Leaves. Seems good. Seems good. When I came into this, the braider had just live streamed the interaction and was posting about how blessed they were and how lucky and how she was so happy for her friend that Keith Lee came. Then we find out once all that's gone down, that owner was not trying to give out that money at all. We get several different stories. The braider comes out. I'm aware of the braider's information first. I don't know if she's the first one who started talking about it or not, but she's the first video I saw. According to the braider, after all of that goes down, the lady, the food truck owner, decides she's going to close up shop early instead. They're like, okay. So she closes up and she tells the braider, listen, I don't know when you're going to get that money. The braider goes, okay. The, mo- the money in question went through their point of service system. And if you, if you don't know what that is, especially the cash register, depending on the point of service system, uh, the way that money ends up in the owner's bank account, it has to go through all this other fee nonsense where it takes out its own cut and then you get your money. So there's already speculation around how much of that would have gone to the owner anyway. Then once the girl goes home and and they close everything for the day, it's been a couple days, the girl hits her up and is like, hey, how are we going to get that money split? And the owner goes, listen, I'm going to give 1000 to my son and he can split it between you and your brother. Her brother was a guy cutting hair. She goes, excuse me? According to the braider, she then was like, well, you can go ahead and keep my thousand, but make sure my brother gets his full thousand, basically. And then the lady, according to the braider, was like, nah, I didn't ask you guys to come out here and do all of that. I don't have to pay you anything. Then we get the owner who comes out and starts talking. The owner says (laughs) that she doesn't really know those people like that. She doesn't have workers that are hired. And while she's thankful that they came out to help her when they did, and especially help campaign for Keith Lee to come out. Ultimately, it's her truck. It's her truck. He liked her food, and therefore, it's her money. He also told her to divvy it up the way she saw fit, and her son backs her up on this. I thought, listening to the owner, I'm like, well, I thought the owner was in the right at first. Okay. Now we get Keith Lee's take on it. Keith Lee is now acutely aware that all of this drama is going on and how his tip did not go the way it was supposed to go. He points out that he's not in the business of trying to shut people down. That's not his business at all. However, he doesn't like how his words are being misconstrued because there's several videos out there of the owner and the son talking about how Keith Lee basically told them it's whatever they want to do with that money. And he goes, that was not my intent at all. I definitely said two of the owner, one to the braider, one to the barber. I also definitely intended, just with my words of divvy that up how you want to, uh, in terms of that point of service system. Because that point of service system, it takes a minute for you to get that money. And then however you're going to distribute it, that's what he meant. Cash app, check, cash itself, however they were going to do it that way. Once again, I get that's what he meant. But that's not what he 
But he also said, give a thousand to the barber and a thousand to the braider. But the last thing he said was divvy up how y'all feel fit. But so why would that diminish everything else he said though? That's the part I didn't understand. Why would he specifically tell you to do it this way? That includes three people. But then be like, just kidding, you don't have to do it that way at all. That doesn't make sense. Well, if I was here, I'd have left it the way I said the first time. Divvy up like that and then pay for it. And like, y'all figure out how y'all can get that money to each other. Uh-huh. And bro, I'm not saying Keith did anything wrong. I'm not saying he did anything wrong. It's not his fault. He did them a service by coming out there to begin with. Uh-huh. Where the problem lies is... With the way the owner makes it sound like she don't know them kids. But the girl is like, nah, we, I, we, we've known each other for years. We've known her son for years. And for the, really, it's the son. For the son to be like, whatever. Now you know who you're messing with. Now you know who you're dealing with. So, ultimately, who do you think is in the right? I think the girl is in the right, but. The braider? Yeah, but what's she really going to do about it? Take it or quote for a thousand bucks? That's she, the only thing she can do. She could. That's the only thing she can do. Mm-hmm. It's just you can go to quote for a thousand bucks and end up paying way more than a thousand? Here, here's my take on the situation. It's public as heck. It is public as heck, this whole situation. And again, I don't know who put the story out first or not i think it was the girl because i feel like everything else was response to her the braider you did that purposefully i mean i understand feeling wronged but you did that purposefully to ruin that woman's business you did that on purpose yeah I, but i've been wronged true you wronged me true you can't get mad at how i retaliate of course you can no you can't shoot me in the foot and then get mad because I, because my gun, the gun hurt me. Your hand. Yeah, you can't shoot me in the foot and then get mad because I tell everybody you shot me in the foot. Of course you can. It's called hypocrisy. That's all I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, you can, but you don't have a leg to stand on. Okay, you, you don't. But I'm what I'm saying is the braider made it sound like this truck owner was super petty and not forgiving, and she's. Doing the same thing. So I thought that was interesting. No, it's this. I helped get in. And what made it even worse than where the owner says she, they helped get my name out there to get him down there. Uh-huh. So they helped get us. I'm not saying they didn't help. And I'm not saying that this girl should not feel a way about not getting her tip. I, I'm not saying any of that. But what I am saying is. In doing it the way that she's doing it, she's also acting just like this lady. Her whole point is that she's not like this lady. She's the nicer one. She's the saved one. She's doing the same stuff. Everybody ain't saved, even though they say they saved. I'm just saying. That's number one. But number as, two, aside from that, I also couldn't help but point out why that food was overpriced. I kept thinking about why that food would be $80. It'd be like if we went to your... He um, got like three or four plates of food, Javon. No. So... The burger is by itself. There's nothing else with that burger. He had a pulled pork sandwich by itself. And then he got... That's about 15 bucks. Why would that be 15 bucks? Pulled pork sandwiches are expensive. Don't know why. They just are. It'd be like going to McDonald's and it, you racked up an $80 bill off of three things. 
Look at my face. I don't take. I agree with Keith Lee. Eighty dollars is is a little steep for what he got, and he shows you the food. It's I not like he got a huge amount of understand, food. but those like going to trucks, uh, it's with their price and their stuff as. So that's my other thing. So it's already a little hefty for the food. There's no menu on that truck that shows the pricing. So there's that that means to there me. There you go. To me, that says that there's no set price. Exactly. It's whatever there I want to say it is at the time. There you go. So that's another reason I wouldn't have bought anything. Okay, good for you. So those two things together tell me that this lady, this lady and money, her relationship with money is already interesting. No, it just shows she's shady. I don't even know if it's necessarily shady or if she just needs that money. Because her son talks about how he has to dip in his own pockets to help her keep this dream afloat. I can't help but think she does need money to cover her business. I don't think her business is turning a profit. Sounds like to me. And now it definitely won't. No, sounds like to me. People went there, found out that shit was overpriced. That there's no. Some people might have bought food just to try it. Some people might have went there and be like, hey, there's the menu. She's like, there's what I'm like, there's no prices. She's like, there is no price. Just tell me what you want and let you know what the price is. People are like, nah, I'm not doing that. A lot of people probably said, no, nah, I'm not doing that. The other thing that sticks out for me is the fact that they found her in North Dallas, which apparently is a hood. It's a low-income area. This lady's trying to do a business on this food truck. She's hitting a low-income neighborhood in that parking lot. She's not doing a lot of marketing for herself at all. No one, no she one. doesn't have any workers that she pays. The people that are helping her in the truck are all volunteers. No one cares. But she, she doesn't care about where she's at, that the food's overpriced. What I'm saying is, to me, all of that together meant this lady and money, they don't have a tandem relationship. That's what it said to me. To me, it says this lady <laughs> might be in need of a lot of funds, which is why she didn't, wasn't willing to release those funds. And rather than admit that, she made it sound like these people are beggars and they just want to come after my blessing. Sure. All right, I'm done. I, I don't, I don't, I don't. Everybody's, I don't think that girl was wrong for putting her, putting her out there like that. That's just me. I think that girl had every, you, you're not going to sit there and I'm going to help you. Then I get blessed a thousand. You're not going to take my blessing too. So here's my other thing. It's not an additional thousand. It's for other people to get their hair braided. So it's, even though he calls it a tip, it's not really a tip. It's going towards your labor for other people, which helps your business. It helps your business. You want, to, you want the truth? I think all of them are shady. I don't think they were going to cut those people's hair for that $1,000 tip. I think this is going to still charge those people. So that's that's my point. My point is oh, okay, it's okay. everybody pointing fingers, okay. and it's they're all doing the same stuff. Oh, I got you. I got you. I got you. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're, you're, you're probably right. At the end of the day, you're probably right. They're all shady. But at the end of the day, I understand her being upset because she got fleeced out of $1,000. But if you got charges with that thing, after he gives you the 4000 there are many charges 
before you get the money, she's not getting $4,000. Correct. So how are they going to get $1,000 anyway? That's another great point. Because there are fees for you to use that point of service system. So. Fees to, to have credit with the credit card companies, the system itself, all the other so stuff. So thinking of it like that way, why would she expect $1,000 back if she got to go through all those penalties and all that stuff? By the time she get that, it's probably going to be 2000 I don't know. I don't maybe, know how expensive these penalties are. Maybe 3500 Let's just say it's 3500 She's going to take two. There's 1500 left. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, so that so but that was going on basically. My point was like, yes, yes, that girl got wrong. She didn't get her money that she was supposed to get, but I also feel like everybody's doing the same thing. Um have you heard about Shannon Sharp and Taylor Swift? No, I never saw it. I couldn't find it. I what? I never saw it. Shannon was having a conversation with Ocho Cinco for his podcast with him. <laughs> They were, skip, skip. They were talking about the incredible year Kansas City Chief ha- Chiefs have had to include uh, way more people being aware of this team because Taylor Swift is dating Travis Kelsey. True. Okay. According to Shannon Sharp, Taylor Swift is more profitable, profitable for the NFL than Beyonce. True. Okay. Why do you think this? She's white. Okay. Now, in all honesty, you know what? I take that back. She's not. Okay. Because rednecks hate her. They love her. No, now, no, um, no. rich Republicans don't like her. Yeah, because rednecks love majority her. of them are the ones who's paying those tickets and watching those games. So, I don't know. I'm gonna say I don't know. Okay. Because the backlash she's getting. Now, I don't know. But prior to this backlash or whatever this whole Republican backlash thing, I'd have said yes. Now, I don't know. It's not her and her. Uh, Taylor Swift is worth a billion dollars. Beyonce's only worth $800 million. In terms of commercial, whatever, whatever, monetary success. Uh, to me, what I, the reason I think Shannon was a kind of correct in his point about Taylor Swift being the bigger get for the NFL is because her audience base is younger than Beyonce's. Beyonce's core audience, don't, mind, don't get me wrong, she still has young fans, but her core audience is us, millennials. But she's a blue-eyed, blonde, white woman. She also is white. She so definitely is. She is the American girl next door. She is. So, she's, she's more palatable, allegedly. For way more people yes. than Beyonce. Yes. Especially with Beyonce's quote unquote new stance of really standing in her blackness. I don't think it's new, but for a lot of her fans, they felt like she took a change, a turn, if you will, a little before the pandemic and became super black, according to them. Um <laughs> so happy to be. But I did find it interesting that Shannon Sharp was like, no, Beyonce wouldn't have been able to do the same numbers. He doesn't explain his reasoning. At all, other than just because. But Would you absolutely N- can take race into account for this. With NFL, yes. Basketball, no. It's going to be Beyonce. That's interesting. All day, every day. Why you say that? Basketball has more of a black audience. Than football? Yes. yes. Have you been to a Commanders game out here? Most of those fans are black. 
we're in a black city. That's what I'm saying. That's why. Okay. And two, they suck. So only black black people only like sucky teeth. They're the only ones that are probably gonna pay to go to see these motherfuckers play. You're so. I was gonna say the Dallas Cowboys, but you probably say the same thing. Um, Dallas Cowboys. It depends. I'm not saying there's black. We black people don't watch football. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, the, the, the NFL has a bigger white demographic than basketball. I, I can damn near guarantee that. Where are you pulling these facts and figures? I can, I can pretty much guarantee, almost guarantee that. Uh huh. But overall, both all sports in general are kind of losing numbers, right? Because ticket prices, inflation, all that stuff is too much. Mm-hmm. And people don't have the time. Like, baseball has a more of a white following than black, too. Look, according to this, football players are, in terms of race, white people are, are the third highest. It goes black people. Oh, no, it goes Hispanic people, black people, and then white people in terms of fans of football football yeah whatever i don't i don't think that's whatever i guess i don't know i think it's more white people you think so yeah but anyway so he got in a lot of hot water with by saying that and not elaborating at all and comparing two women who are not even in the same genre together and failing to also talk about the whiteness of it all. So, that so that's what it is. Football, that's what it is uh-huh. for me. That's what it is. Um, for basketball, it's the opposite. Uh-huh. You have a lot of, even though majority of the owners are white, but a lot of the coaches are black. Uh-huh. You have way more black players. It's not that American. It's not that many white American basketball players. That's the thing. Oh, but there's more white football players. Yes, yes. That makes an interesting point. Yes. Okay. Because if you see a white dude on the basketball team, majority <laughs> of the times, they're not even from America. Okay. They're European or something. Yeah, they're European. Is that why that guy was like, we need to have our white leagues back again? Yeah. We need. <laughs> yeah. Like. I'm tired of our white boys not being able to play. <laughs> like, <laughs> the best center in the game now is. This dude named Jokic. He's a Jokovic? He's he's a white European. Is his name Jokovic? Jokic. Oh. Then there's another dude named uh um I forgot his name. God damn. He plays for the Mavericks. He's number seventy seven. Another Eastern European white guy. Mm-hmm. I think he's Spanish, uh from Spain though. This is a sidetrack question, but I wonder why European whites can play basketball at a professional level. But American whites cannot. That's because very interesting. They've been playing professionally since they're like twelve. But with all the acts, I, I have further questions about this. I would feel like with all the access American boys have, they couldn't be at the same level, <sighs> or they just don't want it. They don't have to. All right. Those European kids have to. Oh, so to this. That's probably get the only way. Out of wherever they're at. To get themselves out of poverty or what they're doing, or oh. to be better for their family. 
So it's like the Black American story, but in Europe. Yeah, very. Most of the white kids around that play basketball don't need to really play basketball. That they is just play it to play it, that, and they play like fifteen other sports uh-huh. on top of that. So that's interesting. But I, that's it. That's all I got for that happen. That happened with Joe. On to Worth the Watch. This week's Worth the Watch. It's a show called Big Little Brawlers. On Discovery or HBO Max if you got it. It's a show focused around micro rest, the Micro Wrestling Federation, which is a wrestle independent wrestling federation out of Pigeon Forge. It's near Tennessee. Dollywood. Tennessee. And it's all focused on little people who wrestle. Oh, that's what we call them. I was going to call them something else. Something ignorant, more than likely, yeah. What is it going to be? Sure, whatever. Anywho, the little people. So if you like wrestling, and you like a spin on it, this is definitely that. The storylines are fantastic. I'm hooked. I'm in. I'm watching all of the episodes. Hilarious. It really centers around a small group of them. Uh, there's a character named Psycho. He is with, he has a child with somebody named Pinky, who's also a wrestler. <laughs> and they're trying to be professional wrestlers and raise their child. We've got uh, Ivar the Micro, who's mostly a host. Mr. Glass. Due to his, uh, he has a genetic condition where his bones are very brittle. It's very easy to break. So he, it limits on how much he can actually do, but he wants to get in the ring and wrestle. There's a sequence where he's training and he hurts himself, and it's it's very scary. To see some of these dudes who who are married to regular size women, it's hilarious. Why? It's just hilarious. Why? To... Now I will say with Ivar, the way we get introduced to Ivar, his wife is carrying him like a baby. So I get that, but like a uh, little show, he's married to a regular size lady. Yeah, still funny. I like Little Show. Little Show is the veteran. Well, it's the Little Show. That's not his theme song at all. But he's but he's a veteran. He's been doing it the longest. Um, first of all, homeboy, he's skilled. He's really skilled in what he needs to do. Also, there's a whole thing in there where he's helping out the guy who plays Psycho. He's helping him get modifications so Psycho can drive his car. And he just gets a bunch of PVC pipes. It makes that stuff work. Those kind of modifications, if you were to get it professionally done, would cost you thousands. And he did it with some PVC pipe. It was amazing. Take some PVC pipe, put it together, and next thing you know, we're, we're, we're in a business. Flim flam bam, you're good to go. Um, but Little Show has a rival in the form of Hot Rod. Hot Rod. Hot Rod is apparently like the strongest micro wrestler there. He's like the mixture between... He he was almost regular size. Not almost. Yeah. But he he didn't make the height. He got close to it and stopped growing. Not almost. That's pretty much how I would describe him. Colin's terrible at descriptions. Um, Point the, on. The show is phenomenal. The guy who's running this, at first I was like, is this guy running this just for money? It's got to be just for money. There's no way. This whole gimmick. But he, like, genuinely cares for these people. Like, he genuinely cares about the people that are coming in to do the show. But it's also still a business. So he's got them divvied up into two teams. 
You got the hometown team, which doesn't travel. They only do shows when the circuit is in town. And then you've got the ones that travel with him to help, you know, make a bigger brand for the Micro Federation. Mm-hmm. You got a favorite wrestler? Micro Jackson. My, we haven't seen Micro Jackson actually wrestle. There's the latest episode that we watched, which is as of today. the 4th. He's also an exotic dancer. He's doing this dance. There's a comedian that's also associated with the micro wrestling. She does her little stand-up bit, and it goes well. She is a Mrs. Potato Head. No, it goes well. That's literally how tall she is. No, it goes well. And then, as a thank you, this guy named Michael Jackson starts stripping and starts dancing for him. Michael Jackson, if I could describe him. Uh, An adult-sized head. Uh, None of this is funny. This was a terrible idea to have him watch this show. Yes, this is his, insanely disrespectful. His hands is his hands is bigger than mine. So I I say that he, he has huge hands. Uh, he wears like a size maybe ten. None of this matters. So the point is, you've got like a bunch of wrestlers that are still trying to do flips and tricks that we see on like WWE, but they have. Far more limitations. There's a scary episode where Hot Rod is supposed to catch his opponent as his opponent dives off the ropes outside of the ring. And he hits the ground hard. You see his head bounce off that pavement. And he freaks out. He says he can't feel his legs. He starts yelling out for the host. It's real scary. Basically, he was unconscious. But awake. But awake. He, he was conscious. He, Stunned, yes. He had a concussion. He was concussed. So he and was they there. they don't have a medical team on, on staff. He was so. there, but he wasn't there. He starts flipping out, saying he can't feel his body. And the whole time that he's shouting this, he's moving. He's moving around. But it, it's not sinking for him that he's <laughs> moving in his body. It's, it's so scary. It's mad scary. Um, we also have Psycho and Pinky's journey where Pinky actually has some WWF lineage. Her dad was actually associated with World Wrestling Federation. He's a lot of person day. who wrestled for the w- WWF WWF for like in the late early eighties. Looks like it's the eighties, yeah. Late seventies? No, it, like? it was around the time that she was born, so it would have been the eighties. Like yeah, early eighties? Yeah. Her mom was actually a wrestler too. Yeah, her mom was an independent wrestler as well. It was it's interesting, but she doesn't have a good relationship with her father at all. Which leads to trust separation issues. and trust anxiety issues. Uh, which unfortunately falls on Psycho, who's her partner in Psycho. While he tries his best to like be there for her, he's not good at words. Psycho um, makes Psycho. Like she said, doesn't choose his words very good. Even though he means he's well-intentioned, he chooses bad words. <laughs> then when he he realizes it, I don't think he realizes that he's, oh. I think he realizes it, but I think he also feels like it's the truth. And so he's not going to take it back. It's not that he doesn't choose a word. He, but he, it doesn't come out right. In his head, it sounds right. It's not soft. And it's not like it. He's not 
when he's talking to her, he doesn't like degrade her or anything. <laughs> but it's it's just so blunt. It's just the way it comes out. In his head, it sounds better, but when it comes out of his mouth, I'm like, that's not what you really want to say there. So they have a kid together, and their kid is regular size. And it's very interesting, because their daughter's like two or three, and she's the same height as her parents. So, yeah. So, apparently, Cycle does all the cooking, right? Cycle does all the caretaking, yeah. Yeah. Cycle does a lot of the caretaking uh, at home. But he also wants to elevate his wrestling career. Which means more money as well. Yeah, yeah. But he also means touring. And it also means being away from his family for a little bit. Which she can't handle. Pinky does not like it. And they get, they give you the explanation of like how her history with abandonment issues and everything. But it puts her in a depression like really quickly. And it's Psycho trying to like be like, listen, nothing's going to happen. I'm doing this for the family. It's just work. So we'll see. I think he means it. I don't think there was. I didn't get any indication that he was like, as soon as they get on these roads, it's open for business. Um, I will say this. Some people can't handle if they get, if their fame changes. Who knows if he can handle it or not? We don't know. Oh, if he gets more attention. Yeah, we don't know. You can say you can handle it, but then when you get it, it's a different story. Especially okay. if you're not used to it. <laughs> Do you think there's women at these venues that yes. are throwing themselves at the micro-wrestlers? Yes. Okay. Yeah. These okay. dudes ended up with regular-sized women. I'm pretty sure there's women on the road in those rinky-dink towns they go to who probably has, might be messed up, a fetish or a bucket list they want to check off. Wow. Who, who's to say they don't? I can't just, like, find these guys attractive. It's got to be a fetish or a bucket list. No, some of them look really, really funny. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, so that could be happening. Um, We also see them discover a new talent in Andrew. They're going to call him Andrew the Giant. Just spin on Andre the Giant. He's like a... a He's an over 400-pound small person. Small person, which is insane to me. But he has he has more height. Than the rest of them. Yeah. He's like three, five, maybe three, six. No, I think he's, I think he's at least four foot. Okay. I think he's at least four foot. Okay. Because he's much taller than the most yeah. of them. But he's got to get in shape. So it, we get to see a little bit of his journey of like trying to lose weight, doing training, and taking falls for the first time. What I like about the show is that it also explains how wrestling, real wrestling, well, wrestling in general. What they do in terms of training to minimize injuries, how to take a fall, how to jump off the ropes, how to choreograph everything so that it's still entertaining for the audience, but also safe for the people who are in the ring. Because that's a longer fall for them, too. And they got to be accurate because their bodies might not take as much punishment as a regular person's size body. And most regular-sized person's bodies don't take a whole lot of punishment either. Exactly. So it's probably double for them. True. Well, yes. On top of, like, the whatever health issues they have yeah. going on. Very true. And it's harder for them to pull off certain moves. Like, yes. they're trying to teach Psycho how to do a somersault. They a call full it, like, a four-something, a four-something, four, a four yeah. five or something? Yeah, four, 
It was four, more than a full. It's so like more than three four ninety. Four ninety or something like they that. They want him to do like a like a full circle and a half to yeah. land where he needed to land, <laughs> but he full couldn't. Moon, a full moon somersault. But he couldn't do it. His head is it basically weighs down the rest of his body. So even at his best try to like tuck and roll, it's going to be one full rotation. It won't be a, a rotation and a half. Yeah, because he, you got to get elevation. You got to jump up. And forward. But even when he was doing that, there's limitations to how he can bend his body. The The trainer they have yeah. mentions that there's not a lot of them that can fold into a ball. It's it, They don't have that much to fold. They don't have much dexterity. Yeah. So. Their middle part is shorter, so it's harder for them to get that momentum to get two flips instead of one. I think he did a pretty good job. And two. I did, except he kept landing on his head. And yeah, and too doing doing that, you miss calculate one time. Yeah, it's it's you're done. Yeah, they showed it was um some uh show where they show worst falls or something. It's like the top twenty worst falls or whatever. This wrestler dude was doing somersaults. Mm-hmm. He did one, overshot. And like landed on his head, yeah. but since he he turned his back and flipped, he actually landed the way his head can like bend a little bit, uh-huh. so he didn't like break his neck or kill himself. But he's scared. I've landed on my head before playing football. I jumped up. I scared the, scared the living shit out of me. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I'm done. I wonder how much they get paid, though, to do this. That's my other question. Like, we found out Hot Rod has a girlfriend and a baby that he's trying to take care of. Also, is very, very demanding. She is. Which one? The girl? His daughter? His girlfriend. Oh. She is. What made you think she was demanding? She's, uh, I, I need you to do this. We, we don't see you enough. We need you to come back. He was like, I'm trying to work so we can have money so we can do this, do that. He was like, well, you need to figure out something. You need to call more. Do this, do that. He's like, I'm trying. What that told me was that that was not the first time they've had that conversation. But, because when he makes a call to them, his daughter is like, I miss you. Where are you when you're coming home? But when you wrestle, you're only, if you're one of the top wrestlers, oh, if you're one of the top wrestlers, you're going to be in the road the most because you sell the most tickets. You help sell tickets. So, and you make the experience better for the viewer. But I don't know how much of that is communicated to her. It's been my experience, boys are bad with words. I, I, so I don't know what she's been told or I've, what expectations were set and then broken between I, the two of them. I'm going to give him a benefit. I think he tried his best to tell her. I think he got caught doing something he wasn't supposed to be doing. That's what I think. That too? Could it be that too? Because mm. her tone and the way, the way she she came across. And the little like clips a motherly we get, tone? But it looks like exhausted tone. Like, we've been through this more than once. You call it actually hurts more than helps type of a thing. Because I got to deal with all the aftermath because you're on the road. I Yeah, I think it's more about... You said you be off the road this time, but you're still on the road. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 You're right. Yeah. That's what I got from that. Because never in there did she say it's wrestling or us. Like, she never actually says that. 
But I think she's getting to that point. I think so, too. I think so, as so. well. And then she's dealing with the injuries if he gets hurt. And uh-huh. then he, he then let's say he finally comes off the road. He's recuperating. Or he got this going on. His body hurts. So mm-hmm. he got to do this. So, And then in her mind, you're not making WWE money. Either. Right. It ain't worth it. Right. What you know? How much of how much of the pills am I putting? Who's paying for the cell phone you're talking to me on right now? Kind of deal. Who's paying to put your body back together when you do does break? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All of those questions as well. Yeah. But do you think micro wrestling can take off? I think it can. Yeah. It just got a. They got a TV show now, so something happened where they get to get this. Uh huh. So they keep on. I just think they gotta um start hitting probably bigger cities. But they gotta it costs money to build yeah, a bigger city. But if you wanna get real exposure, you're gonna have to like at least make one or two major cities. But they got the show. So do they gotta hit the city? You still you still got to. Okay. If you wanna build a big lasting fan base. It's all about getting those people who are always gonna be there. Once you get them, then it's about just trying to get more and more casual fans. But my thing is, they started out in Pigeon Forge. We didn't even know what Pigeon Forge was until the show. Yeah. So hitting a big city and being like, how, you, one, you'd have to get the word out and hope people got interested to come and but see that's you. what I'm saying. you got to hit at least one major market. But to do, again, to do that, you need to know what that cost is going to be. You need to know that you have a guaranteed audience to show I up. I think that dude knows, but... It, even if it's just to push your brand to get yourself out there, you have to at least hit one. I'm not saying you have to hit two or three. I say, I'm saying it takes more than an idea to make it happen. You can't just be like, yeah, we're going to Vegas next week. Yeah. It takes a lot more to make sure all that goes down. Yeah. you got to secure a venue. you just got to do the same you thing. you got to guess how many people are actually going to show up you to that venue so you can turn the profit. Do the same thing you do when you go to these other small towns. I think venues. it's easier to calculate the risk with a small town. Because they're more dedicated to wrestling. It'd but, be like coming out here to D.C. and being like, we got a wrestling show. No, you can pick the right city to go to. But you go. What I'm then saying, what's the right city, Calvin? You can hit Philly. You can try. Um, you think Philly is a big market? It'll be big enough. It'll be big enough. <laughs> you have to hit a major city at some point to. Because, like, if 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 he's trying to get big, he's going to have to spread his wings at some I think point. he's already big. They have pay-per-view matches, and they have their YouTube. Not to mention the individual followers on the wrestler socials account. Psycho has over a million. So that's what I'm saying. If he puts out in the social, your social media, is, hey, we're coming to this city. Let's just say... Uh, <clears throat> What's a nice size big city on this? Vegas. Let's say Vegas. You, you can do that. You just got to, you're going to have to, it is going to build your brand. All it can do is build your brand. That's all it can do. If you, if he's trying to make them big and be like to where they're on a level of WWE or close to it, he's going to have to hit a, a major one major city. But I think they're, I don't think wrestling is viable in what you're considering major cities. 
You know what I mean? I'm just it's like there's a the, reason WrestleMania only happens in like the South. It's but what, pick a Southern city. What I'm saying is you to get they go to Southern cities. What's they the, go to Fort Worth. They go to Stephenville. We got okay. a bunch of places in Florida, Orlando. Okay, okay, that's what I'm saying. Like cities like that. I'm thinking they're hitting like Chitlin Circuit places. Pensacola. You just assume that. Yeah, like. Where they at now? With Pigeon what? Tennessee? I'm thinking they're hitting cities like that. Towns like that. Like, that'd be cities. I'm thinking they're hitting towns. Uh-huh. That's what I was thinking. Stephenville is a big city in Texas. It's not a small town. Okay. You're crazy. But, the, my, but my point was, it looks like they're doing what they need to do. But, again, they also have to turn a profit. You can say we're going to this big city, but you still got to book that venue. You got to make sure whatever seats you pull for. At that venue, you can fill. And also, you, you want to get casual fans to come out and see you too. You're gonna to have to get to markets where, you know, what I'm saying, you get more casual fans. That's what all I'm saying. But that's the other thing. People aren't going out like that anymore either. Everything's expensive. Yeah, you can make your uh, sure whatever. Char- Charlotte County Fairgrounds. I'm trying to see if they ever go to the East Coast. This is all the South. Alabama. But, yeah, like when I was looking at WrestleMania stuff, a lot of it's in Texas and Florida. They had major cities, like Raw, like their network shows. They hit, like, Philly. They hit the big cities. I, don't, I want to know why you think Philly's such a big city. I just, it's just the first one that popped in mind. Hilarious. They hit Pittsburgh. They hit uh, Atlantic City. They hit New York or whatever. They hit they hit different Cleveland, all that stuff. They they hit different cities. Mm-hmm. So Miami, all that stuff. Yeah, they're going to like Alabama, Missouri, Texas, Florida, a lot of Missouri, Mississippi, Ohio. See what I'm saying? Like even if they do try to do a spot in like. Cleveland or Toledo or something like that. Uh-huh. West Virginia. You know, I think that would be good for them and their brand. North Carolina. And it hit Charlotte. Delaware. That would be a good look for their yeah, brand. Yeah, they're going to Charlotte. Okay. I'm trying to see if they're coming to Maryland. That's what I care about. Oh, they're going to Perryville. Don't even know where that is. Past Baltimore. Probably a small place. Oh, no. I got excited because it said Brandywine, but it's in Wellington, Delaware. Just kidding. Got excited. But I would love to see a live show. I'm not going to lie. But yeah, that's uh, Big Brawlers. Big Little Brawlers? Big Little Brawlers. What What do you think the rest of the season is going to show us? Are they on tour, you think? Yeah, they're going to show us them being on tour, how they act and live on tour. Uh-huh. There's going to be a bunch of fights. Wait, like wrestling matches or in-house fights? Wrestling matches, in-house fights. Oh, okay. Spats. Uh-huh. Dudes getting injured. Or do you think we're going to get a focus on party any, life? On any of the other black yes. wrestlers? That's when I think they're going to start going with them. I think at home, it's easy to hit the family stuff, the people that got the families, because that's probably most interesting. Mm-hmm. That's why they follow Pinky and Cycle so much, because they're the most interesting couple. Because there's two, two little people together. 
living with a daughter trying to make it work. Right. Because you notice they only focus on the, the three with fan, uh, couples. They, uh, uh, Ivan dude and his wife. Ivar. Ivar. Uh, the other guy, what's his name? I can't remember his name. What other guy? The, the redneck guy. Little Show. Little Show. And his uh, wife and his five kids that she has. and do, Don't they have, like, a kid together? I I thought they did because they show all those kids. I don't know. Them, their family dynamic, uh-huh. and then they showed Psycho and Pinky's family dynamic. But they focused on Psycho and Pinky. I mean, we they because gave they a little background the, on Little Show. But I think it. they had the most conflict. I think they're the family that's actually there. Little Show's family doesn't live where he's at. Yeah, that's what, yeah, that and their dynamic was more TV. Uh-huh. Easy to build a TV storyline behind, around. Who, who's they? Pinky. And, and Psycho. Psycho. Uh, I just um, think it's funny that he's his name is Psycho, but he's the most level-headed in their relationship. Yeah. And so I think on the road, you're going to see more Michael Jackson, the rest of the guys. What did you think of the wrestling? Same as regular wrestling, just with shorter people. I was impressed. I'm not gonna lie, I was impressed. They They're do, jumping off the ropes. Yeah, they do a lot of high flying moves the, and all that stuff. The crowd slams. They're not. Their slams aren't as dynamic. But we're not even looking at their A talent. So, Those weren't even the A talent. Yeah. So we'll see. I think Jamaica Joe is like their star. So then, yeah, we'll see more of the team one uh-huh. on the road. I'm, I'm interested. I'd love to see it. But yeah, if you guys like wrestling, go for it. Big little brawlers. There you go. You ready for 90 Day Single Life? Single, single life. Uh, I'm going to cut an album with this. Oh. That's what I'm going to do. So, well, the order I got is to Ray, Chantel. Veronica, him, and Natalie. Sounds great. Okay, so Teray, it's excruciating to watch Teray. He decides to go on a trip to NOLA, New Orleans, with his brothers. Uh, it's very <sighs> awkward. They're trying to give him tips on like how to talk up somebody. It's a lot. It's, it's funny getting tips from a, from a bunch of L sevens. Dude, I don't think people know what L seven is. Kyle. Squares, a bunch of squares. Why do you think the brothers are squares? Because they are. They they are. They weren't as shy about initiating conversations? You don't have to be shy to be L7 or square. So they didn't help him at all is what you're saying? No. He went on that date. What advice did they give him? Don't be weird. Basically. Basically, yeah. But and he still was. So. so it didn't help. First of all, I think that girl saw the cameras. That's why. Clearly. There's a bunch of cameras following them. Terrell, or not Terrell, Teray, makes it to New Orleans with his brothers. They hit the streets. They try <laughs> to talk up some ladies. They see that there's a lady, there's a table of three ladies. Trying to get some beignets. All white ladies. The girls are like, oh, we're on a girl's trip. And the guys are like, cool, we're on a guy's trip. And Terrell starts talking to somebody he says is, uh, you know, out of his league. It's a military woman with a bunch of tattoos. I'm not going to lie. That lady was not giving me, I like guys. Anyway. Then he manages to get her alone so that they can talk and they have like a little mini date. And Terrell feels it went well. All of the verbiage this lady uses is some is verbiage you use when the guy is nice, but you aren't feeling him that way. 
Also, she just got out of her relationship her damn self. So, there's that. And first of all, when they first started talking, he goes, I was in a relationship with a man. Immediately. And they were like, what? I'm like, yeah. But then now she wants to talk to him after that uh, tidbit of information. Get out of here. She saw the cameras. She's just trying to be on TV. That's all that is. I don't even know if it was to be on TV or if she was like, I don't know how to say no in this situation with all these cameras. Anyway, Trey feels the date went really well and maybe he'll see her again while he's still in town. I don't think that's happening. On to Chantel. He will be stood up for the 19th time. All this poor baby. Chantel, meanwhile, uh, is hanging out with Gianna still and his friends. And she's about to get engaged. She's hoping so. Um, they go to the beach to meet up. And she, she heavy-handed hints that she wants him to move to America with her. She's looking for a longer-term relationship, and she wants to have kids right away. They seem to be on the same page about wanting kids, although I wouldn't say he wants kids right now. He definitely wants kids, but I don't know that he wants them immediately. But she's grossed out that he's close to his family. so. Which, once again, like I said before, you're not going to find too many European or people outside of America who aren't close to their family. Mm-hmm. That's like all they have is family. They believe 100% in family. We're the only country that really kind of doesn't. So she's better off trying to find that. She'll find that better in the States. I don't know how accurate that is because you're close to your family. I'm close to my family. I'm just saying. It's more, she she have more, a bigger pool to choose from from America than going abroad because they believe in family. She believes the opposite. She feels like the pool is bigger going abroad. And that's why she's crying all the time. Listen, she is grossed out that he's close to his family. Um... And she really wants a kiss from this dude. He hasn't kissed her yet. She's like, ugh, stop being a gentleman. Take my face. And then he does. They have their kiss on the beach. It's a very interesting situation. Oh, can I say this? Everything that is happening is the same that it happened in the DP. Down to the beach, right? Yeah. Yeah. Down to the letter T. Right. The same thing that happened, the same thing that happened with her. Right. And the name we would not say. He who shall not be named. Exactly. So, I don't see how this is any different. It's exactly the same thing. They seem to be getting along. They're making out on the beach. That's kind of where we we end things. Um, Meanwhile, Veronica is still dealing with the turmoil that is Tim and Jamal facing off in each other. The end. Basically. The fight, again, the fight doesn't make sense. The show shows that Jamal has to walk away. He basically lashed out at Tim and was like, I don't even know why you're pretending to be what's-her-face's real father. And that sets Tim off. Don't know why it sets Tim off. I can understand why it would set Tim off. He knows that guy's trying to get at him. But Jamal insinuates that Jamal would be a better father to this girl that Tim's been raising. Oh. Oh. Mind you, Jamal's close to that girl's age anyway. uh, Huh? Sure. So Jamal walks off because he's afraid something's going to pop off. That boy's from San Diego. He can't fight. So, Wow. We're just going to throw San Diego please. under the bus like L- that? No, not all, sir, not all of San Diego, but listen to how he talks. He's, he's from a, a certain part of San Diego. Which is Bra. Costa Mesa? La Jolla, maybe. Imperial Beach? Imperial Beach. 
Okay. But uh, not a fighting town. Anyway. Wow. Jamal doesn't know what kind of future him and Veronica are going to have. <coughs> Excuse me, Cal gave me his cold. Uh, Gerard doesn't know what kind of future him and Veronica are going to have. Wrong answer. If Tim is constantly in their relationship. But here's my thing. Veronica keeps Tim in their relationship. He's mad at the wrong person. Exactly. Because Tim has not directly said anything to Jamal at all. He's hearing this secondhand from Veronica and getting mad. Seems like Veronica needs to shut up and then she have a better, happier relationship. Girl, she needs to break up with Jamal. Break up to make up? She wants somebody who's going to settle down, help her raise her daughter, and then so they can enjoy their older years. Isn't Jamal's her, in his 20s. Isn't her daughter like 30? Her daughter's a teenager in high school. 30. Same thing. No. How is the daughter older than Jamal? Yeah, who cares? I don't know. This whole, their whole scenario is just made up to me. What I find funny, though, is we haven't gone back to Tim and Louisa yet. Previews for next week's show... A very awkward double date happening between Veronica and Jamal and Tim and Louisa. And Veronica speaking his Spanish to Louisa. Her Spanish is interesting. It's interesting. Because it's Cuban and Colombian are two different dialects. I don't, you need to hear her accent because that's an American accent saying those Spanish words. So it's like she knows the words, but she's not a native speaker. And it's going to be different anyway because certain words are having Cuban they don't have in Colombia. Might be different. Okay. No, my point is how awkward oh, she I get says the saying. Spanish she speaks, words. She speaks Spanish like an American. She speaks it like a, a student learning the language. Okay. But maybe that's what it was. I know, I know a lot of first-generation American kids whose parents come from a Latin country. They don't speak the language, but they know the language. They're familiar with it. It's a similar scenario, but... Also, why are they going on a double date? For the show. That's all it is. Awkwardness. Louisa's still there. Louisa's still there. Um, on to Calvin's favorite, Natalie. What did you think? Naturally. So Natalie holds the dinner for, I don't even know the dude's name, Josh. Yep. And his friend, who is a music producer, I mean, uh, movie. movie producer. I want to say it's porn, but who knows. Um, so, we're at the dinner. Everything's good. Her mom comes in in a stunning dress. They look at her. Josh is like, I'm going to get with her mom, and I'm just going to kick her to the curb. Then they sit down. Natalie realizes he's a movie producer, and she goes into a Russian version of Shakespeare. And that's the end. It's very interesting. First of all, they pulled out fantastic table settings for this dinner party. That oh, table looked nice. The table was the bomb. <laughs> and they cooked everything. It, it looked, looked amazing. It looked prof- professionally set. It looked amazing. Maybe that's what she needs to do. Cater. Cater. <laughs> she needs to get into catering. Be uh, which you know what, people maybe. who uh, put together gatherings and stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe she needs to do that. But... <laughs> to see her going to Russian version of Shakespeare, no, like nobody she, speaks it. Like, speaks her language. Like she, like she's auditioning for a movie, and somehow this dude's like, "If I have anything open, I'll give you something." No, he told her he's working on a horror film, and he's going to arrange an audition for her. This is gonna be later telling Josh she'd be great to play like a psycho ex. 
Psycho Bones. That's going to be the name of the porn, scary movie porn. Psycho Bones. It's a horror porn? Yeah, it's a horror porn. What did you think of her interview with Josh's cousin? Uh, it was horrible. Um, it was hilarious. First of all, uh, so many questions. First of all, Josh constantly says he doesn't want to be in a relationship, and yet he's doing a lot of things for Natalie. He bought her a car. He paid the down payment for her apartment. He helped, he's been introduced to her mother. That's the thing you do. In the job interview. That's the things you do when you don't want to be in a relationship. I guess so. His the interview with the with Josh's cousin goes terribly. Natalie has no want to even be an administrative assistant, or all. can articulate what she's. She answers them literally. All the questions that he gives her, she answers very literally. Yeah. He's like, do you have a resume? She's like, oh, it's in Ukrainian. So next time I see you, I'll have it translated. Then he's like, why would you like the position? She goes, Josh says I might like him. And then they start talking about Josh and the relationship. He goes, what would somebody say about you who knows you well? She goes, Josh would say I'm needy. He's like, okay. And then she's like, on a personal note, I apologize, but on a personal note, have you met Josh's second baby mama? Middle of interview. And it's the cousin going, no. Uh, This is an interview, not a date for a conversation. This is the same cousin that met her when she was spiraling, when she first came out to L.A. to visit Josh. So uh, she goes, yeah, I haven't heard from his cousin about the job. So <laughs> Lovely. Yeah, so it's it's a train wreck. We'll see what happens. What do you think of the previews for next week for her? Same as I think is every other preview. We'll see how... Mike is coming into the picture. Oh, yeah. So, somehow, her mom or somebody called... I think her mom calls Mike? I think her mom calls Mike. And they, instantly, her mom lights up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. That's going to be good, because I want to see what happens. Because mom loves Mike. I told Apparently. you mom loves Mike. I told you that. Apparently. I don't know why, but all right. I think he helped get her there. Honestly, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens. That's going to be, that's, <laughs> that's a scenario. Your mom hates your boyfriend but loves your ex-husband. I got more questions. Can Mike speak Russian or Ukrainian? I don't, I don't think so. Okay. I just think he... He looks the more stable for her. I think her she's eyes. the one that she's known the longest. In my opinion, that's what I think it is. She's known him <laughs> the longest. He calls her mama. Yeah. I so, think they I think it's the established relationship. Yeah. Josh is new. So we'll see what happens with that. Mm-hmm. But that's it. Unless you got anything else about single life. Nope, that's about it. It's life after lockout. Say what it's like life after lockout. Life after lockout. Life after lockout. Apologies to your headphones. You ready? <laughs> I don't know. Are you done? Oh, I'm hype. Okay. Excited. Now with a P. Hype with a T. Excited. I'm hyped. Well, let's talk about the boring couple first, Melissa and Louie. Sure. Melissa got her nose job. It's an unveiling, and her nose job looks like a nose job. She has a Michael Jackson nose. The end. No, it's, no, it's not as low as Michael's yet. Shimon! 
she does mention that it's not it's not exactly what she thought she wanted, but it is still swollen, so it still takes it takes a while for the swelling to go down when you have a major surgery like that. So she's hoping once it goes down, it'll be the nose she wants. I think in her head, she was thinking like, do you know who Buffy Summers is? Nope. Okay. Do you remember Buffy the TV show? Sure. Okay. That's Buffy Summers. She's thinking Sarah Michelle Gellar nose, like tiny little button nose. Well, she got the... What is that? Nose. The Michael Jackson nose. It's not Michael Jackson, though. Michael Jackson's nose was smaller. She got the shamao. But have she, she has the point. And if the you look from Michael Jackson to the side, it's like a skeleton nose. That rolls. The fans have been going in on the uh, after pictures being like, was it worth the money? Because it doesn't look like it. So she, weren't to, she went to the worst, not the best. So she meets up with Louie, and she tells him she appreci- appreciates him for sticking with her while she was recovering because she was a monster. Um... And then, while they're having their little picnic on the beach in the middle of winter, Louis reaches for a gift for her. It turns out it's a bottle with a note in it. But Melissa was hoping for a ring. And really, the note inside of it is just like, I love you. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, they're done. They're de- they broke up? No, they're done. Storyline-wise? Yes, hopefully. I'm, they're... It's like you said, it feels, it's forced. It's boring. Uh, then Melissa goes in about how she feels Louis needs to propose. Louis's like, I just moved here. I'm still trying to get settled and do everything else. Adding a proposal on top of it was not in my cards. She's like, I wanted to be proposed six months from now. I also want a new boo job and a new nose job. Because I need to have something to put in a dress. She's so crazy. She's like, we'll be engaged uh, in six months. And then a year after that, we'll be married. And Louis's like, that's your plan? And she goes, that's our plan. Next couple. Uh, Brittany and K-Rock, as they call him on the streets. I am. I, I feel like Brittany needs to get out of this relationship, but I also understand she got nowhere else to go. So we start off with them in bed, licking each other's faces. No. Sexually. Nope. Pause. Then Brittany tells K-Rock, yo, bae. K-Rock. I like how you keep saying K-Rock. Yo, bae. We need to move to New York. And K Dubs being like, nah. K Dubs? Yeah. Nah. I like my family, yo. We're going to stay here for a little bit. And then he gaslights her. She starts to. She gets angry, starts to lose it. And then he goes, you know what? You're right. Let's think about it and see. Actually, he never says you're right. But he does gaslight the hell out of this woman. She's like, I really want to be closer to my grandmother. I don't get to see them out often. And Karak's like, we can't do that because we have to be close to my family. (laughs) Are you dumb? What are you talking about? And it's Brittany very validly bringing up that every all the reasons Karak wants to stay by his family are the exact reasons she wants to be close to hers. And why can't they find a compromise? And then I feel like Karak remembers that they're on a TV show. And they go, oh. You know what? We'll table this. We'll talk about it later in the future. They're not going to talk about it again in the future. Karak doesn't want to leave his family. So later, they end up going to get baptized. Take me to the water. Take me to the water. Take me to the water. 
took y'all to to give y'all that slave hymn right quick. That's the same song they sung to me when I went to the water for the first time. So it's a hymn? Yes. Okay. Take me to, yeah. I thought they did wade in the water. No? No. That's to tell you we about to run. Uh, whoa, okay. Anywho, they go to get baptized. Uh, Karak <laughs> wants them to be baptized. Oh, Karak wants to be baptized three times. Once for the Father, once for the Son, once for the Holy Spirit, though. The, the pastor looks so confused. <laughs> she dunks Karak. Karak goes, hit me one more time. And she goes, okay. And she <laughs> does it again. And then Karak's like, one more time, one more time. <laughs> okay. It does it again. Hey! Don't know why we want a triple situation, but all right. Um, And she whispers in Karak's ear, that's still not going to save you from your sin. That's not what she did at all. So I'll then, you, and then she does the same thing to Brittany. Brittany doesn't do it the three times, thankfully. Because she got her hair permed. Can't get that wet or too wet because it's going to drop. Because they already got wet. But, Hello. But they both talk about how it felt very cleansing and they felt very close to God after doing so. Take me to the water. That's the end of Brittany and Karak. Um, I want to go to Lindsay and Blaine next because they didn't do much. Lindsay and Blaine are still fighting from the previous episode where Lindsay trauma-dumped a bunch of stuff on him because he trauma-dumped on her daughter, allegedly. The Emmy-nominated Blaine. The face he makes throughout the entire conversation is, Priceless. Priceless. Says you quaff my quaff off to you, Blaine. He kept me in the storyline the whole time. Listen, he was pissed. And obviously he brings up good points. He's like, we do nothing but fight. She constantly diminishes what I contribute to this relationship. I, I don't want to get married to somebody like that. And he hops on his four-wheeler and he gets out of there. <laughs> he gets out of there. He fits his clothes on the back of a four-wheeler. We're not lying. He gets on the four-wheeler while it's still on the trailer. And this is a hitch. This is a trailer hitch that only has two wheels. It's not a full trailer. So he starts to back the four-wheeler off with him on it. And that trailer hits that ground hard. And then he drives away angrily. He slides to the left, slides to the right, and goes down the street. That's it. Uh, Moving on to Janome and Red. Janome and Red, also not a whole lot. Red comes back from Missouri. And he tells Janome that, uh, yeah, when you came to get me and we were in that hotel room and I stormed out, I slept with my bestie, Julie. I hit it so, first. Janome already had an idea that he was stepping out, but now it's confirmed. They break up. Uh, Jan- of course, Red moves on very quickly. He has a new sneaky link back in Missouri. Janome is trying to mail his stuff back to him, and she includes a card where she handwrites how he destroyed their family. I feel like she should have just burned his stuff on the lawn, but whatever. Sexy Canada, sexy Canada, please pawn my manners. We also get a blip with Michael and Justine. Michael finally told Justine that his moms and his eldest daughter want to move with them to Las Vegas. To Justine's credit, she wants the oldest daughter to come move with them because she realizes the oldest daughter has not had a chance to get to know her father at all. I was shocked by that. Me too. And also points out that the youngest daughter has not had a time, had a chance to be a kid because she's been raising Michael's other children, which we were going after Michael for in the other episodes because he doesn't seem to recognize that. So she's like, yeah, I'm excited for your oldest daughter. And then she's a little hesitant with the mother-in-law. But she concedes to it. She's like, I, it's going to be interesting because, you know, they butt heads a lot. But 
she says she's going to go ahead and try to move forward with it because his family wants to be close to him. And this is their first time to do so since he's been out. Also, while trying to poison Justine no. with rat poison, no, the mom has a come to Jesus moment and goes, you know what? She's been good to my son. My son really loves her. I've never seen him like this. And she's good for him. So I'm going to put the rat poison in the garbage on top of the garbage. So when Justine checks, she can see that I could have killed her, but I didn't. And we're going to be the best mom and daughter-in-law we can be. It's not rat poison. It's DNA test. But yes. Oh, okay. So now we're on to your favorite couples. You want to do Taylor and Chance? You want to do Chevelle and Quaylon? Chevelle Quaylon. You want to do that first? Yes. Okay. So we agree to disagree on this situation with Chevelle and Quaylon. It starts I out with Chevelle. You had these in the order you wanted to do them. In. Huh? Oh, okay. Yeah, I did have an order. You wanted to, you didn't want to do that order. I thought you were saving Chance and Taylor for last last. Nope. Oh, so do you want to go to Chance? We're already anymore? talking about surveilling Corey like Alvin. Sorry, we do this every episode. <laughs> My gosh. At some point. Anyway, Chevelle and Quaylon are meeting up with Sonia. Sonia is Maila's grandmother on her father's side. So this is her father's mom. Um, and they're like, we're just going to have a conversation. In case you forgot, Chevelle's trying to make Quaylon the legal parent for Maila. She wants... Maela's father to terminate his parental rights because according to Chevelle, he is not present in Maela's life at all. Sonia has reservations about that. Uh, Quaylon leaves it to the ladies to talk and it is very clear, very quickly, Sonia does not like Chevelle. It's also very clear, very quickly, that Sonia is very worried about her relationship with Maela if Chevelle gets her way and gets her son to terminate his rights. And what we agree to disagree on is just how active Maila's father is in her life. You want to give him your point? You can go first, because I don't want to interrupt you. So give him your point? No, you can go first. Okay. So in Sonia's conversation with Chevelle, it comes up that Chevelle feels like her son doesn't do anything with Maila. Sonia points out uh, that they recently spent time with Maila in Kansas City, which tells me that they are not in the same city. And Maila had to come out to visit them. Chevelle points out that, that, that her daughter probably spent time with just her grandmother and not with her father, but who knows. Um, and she feels that Quaylon would be a better father for Maila, even though Sonia disagrees because for her, Quaylon is this guy who got out of prison and is playing house with Chevelle. Uh, what came up in our discussion between me and Calvin was just how active Maila's father is. <laughs> My points were one, we don't know the whole story regarding the baby daddy. Chevelle is, has told long stories before. She's not the most trustworthy narrator when it comes to her own stories in this show. It wasn't that long ago that she was painting Quaylon to be this like philanderer, cheating person. And now all of a sudden, he's the perfect husband, fiance, father. Very interesting how that works. Um, also, I don't know how much the son, Maila's father, was allowed to 
be around Nyla, especially around the younger years. I wouldn't be surprised if Chevelle set it up for it to be very difficult for him to be around his daughter early on. Does it excuse him not being there? No, but I could understand being like, is it worth the headache for me to fight for this? The other thing is I have a huge bias against terminating parental rights when, one, you don't want to, but two, other family wants to still be involved in that child's life. I don't think people realize the ramifications of terminating your parental rights and what that encompasses. It's massive. It's massive. It's more than just not having to pay child support. It's more than somebody else's name being put on a birth certificate. Legal rights to your daughter, visitation, reaching out, communication, all of that goes away when you terminate your parental rights. You become a legal stranger to that child. And while, yes, technically, you're still the biological parent to that child, it doesn't mean anything when you terminate those legal rights at all so even if Mayela was like yeah Quaylon's now my adoptive father they her mom could stop her from seeing his dad's side of the family entirely because those legal rights are terminated however Calvin has a different opinion my whole opinion is based off the mom that's why I think where the disagreement comes in the whole time they're saying these things about her son She's not really fighting the allegations that they're making. I've seen moms who, when you say something about their son that's not true, they're going to let you know that's a lie. Repeatedly let you know a lie. And she looks like she's one of those types. That would be like, hey, no, nah, you're not going to lie on my son on national TV, on TV, whatever. front these cameras talking about my son ain't doing this, my son ain't doing that. He's doing what he can. She never argued none of those points. She was more concerned about herself to me, which leads me to believe what she's kind of saying might be partially true. That's why I'm like, he should I, terminate his rights. I'm not saying he should. Once again, I'm not saying he should. What I'm saying is, if he's not doing anything, why not? That means you think he should. I'm sorry. Well, he should. But what you're saying to I understand, too, because, like you said, Chevelle is, uh, she holds grudges. So I wouldn't put it past her, not allowing that grandma to see her grandchild. So if I was the grandma, I'd probably tell my son not to do it, because this will definitely mean I'm not going to see my grandchild, especially if we got a bond to. So. It's like, damn if you do, damn if you don't. You're, he's in a, that guy's in a no-win situation. Even if he wants to do the right thing, knowing he's not going to be a good father, at least to give her a chance to build that bond with somebody else, he's not going to be able to do that because he don't want his mom to lose her bond that he has with his child. I'm saying they've been functioning as a family unit since Quaylon decided to be a part of this family the way that he is. They've been doing everything in the same vein. The only difference now is that Chevelle wants to permanently cut off ties to Myela's father's side. That's the only difference now. 
And I really only feel that that's because she wants this idealized family unit in her head of Quaylon being the real dad. Now, overall, I agree with you. She just wants to do that for that reason alone. I don't think she cares whether the father wants to or not. She just wants him to terminate it. I think she wants to be done with that family, like you said. I believe that 100%. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, your whole scenario, how she feels, I believe you. I, I 100% agree with you. Mm-hmm. Do I think, what I think she should do is, but again, I don't trust Chevelle to hold up her end of the bargain. That's the problem. So I think that dude should keep his parental rights just for the sake of the mom. Mm-hmm. Of his mom. For his mom. Because I think if she, if that woman convinced him, like, you're not going to do anything for that girl anyway, just let her go. But if she tried to tell Chevelle, at least let me be able to see her every once in a while, whatever, I don't think Chevelle's going to help her end of the bargain to do that. So... That's what sucks, is that the grandma who wants to keep that grandchild is the one, ultimately the one that's going to lose out. Because to me, then again, it's like you said, I don't really know how much that dude is trying or isn't trying. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. At the end of the day, I don't know. But all I'm saying is based on what the mom's arguments, I don't, sounds like he's not doing much. I say that. Mm-hmm. Sound like he's not doing much. But I also can't help but think, is he not doing much because he wasn't allowed to do much? You know what I mean? Then that's when you get the courts involved. That's when you get the courts involved. But courts highly favor the mom. If you can show, I think times are changing. If you can show that you're really trying to make an effort and she's denying your effort, and you can show that you giving money and doing the stuff you need to, and you got receipts, everything is about documentation, no matter what you do. Mm-hmm. When you become an adult, everything is documentation, which is crazy. So if he got everything documented that he's doing everything he need to do, he'll win in the court. Mm-hmm. I, I think he'll win. I think that's why she needs to have him agree with terminating his rights. Because he really, if he really wasn't doing anything, She'd be able to terminate those rights without him. Like you said, she still needs his sign off. Because he's doing something. If he was literally not doing anything. I think she needs to sign off because he's paying child support. I think so, too. And that's the only reason. I think so, too. He's doing something. So she can't make a case that he's completely neglectful. But who's to say he wants to pay that child support, though? Who wants to pay child support? I don't know nobody who's like, I can't wait to give some of this money for child support. I don't know nobody like that. A person who wants to take care of their kids and accept the responsibility of the decision. Then that they, they wouldn't made. be on child support. It depends on the person. Right. That still depends on the person. I'm just saying, I don't think we have all the facts regarding the relationship between Chevelle and this baby daddy. Because there also was that part in the previous episode where Quaylon brought up the whole, are we moving forward with trying to get him to terminate rights so that I can adopt Myla, and she dropped the entire thing and was like what are you talking about that's crazy that was because she talked to Myla, 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 and she said she don't want Quillen to be her dad that's what happened I think that's more because she was shocked that she said that I don't know if the timing of that was 
the same day. You know what I mean? This is edited, interestingly. So yeah. I don't know if all that happened the same day. Plus, she didn't. We know that she has that conversation with Myela, but she tells Quaylon she never even brought it up to him. She doesn't even want to pursue it because it's going to be a headache. And gaslights him about wanting to do it in the first place. And I don't get that being all because Myela said she didn't want Quaylon to be her dad. I think that's. I agree to disagree. I think that's. Do I think it's a little bit more added? Yeah, but I think that's the main thing. Chevelle strikes me as somebody who's going to do what she wants to do if, if, if she can, regardless of how other people feel about it. But if your daughter tells me, I don't tell you I don't want that, and then you go on and do it, and then he talks to her, and she says, I tell my mom I didn't want to do that. Then what? He's going to be like, wait, you don't want this? Then why are we going along and doing this if she doesn't want this? Then, and she's already calling Quaylon dad, according to them. I can completely see Chevelle justifying moving forward with this. Anyway? Because she's just going to get over it. She's going to be like, she's a kid. She'll get over it. She's still going to see her dad. All right, cool. We spent too much time on Chevelle and <laughs> so I'm just, Quay Lutes So anyway. we, we agree to disagree, basically. I don't think he should terminate these rights at all. We yeah. agree with the overall premise. What's the overall premise? That no matter what happens, Chevelle is going to, Chevelle is trying to uh, end it with that side of the family. Okay. That's the premise. Okay. But, yeah, sure. Moving on. Moving on, indeed, to Calvin's favorite part, Taylor and Chance. Taylor and Chance, or Chance. Chance looks like he's in a bad, like a, he's in a boy band, and he's doing a bad love song. Chance looks like he really loved the early 2000s and never left. That's what it looks like. He was like, 2003 was a great year. And his, I don't care that it's 2024. It's 2003 to me. His, I don't know, his uh, mannerisms or blackerisms that he'd be using a uh-huh. lot, it, it comes off funny. It comes off weird. Because he also, like, enunciates everything. So he'd be like, come on, boy. Like, it's not like boy. It's like, it's, it's overly pronounced. So Chance and uh, Taylor decide to meet up at a park or something? In the middle of the night. In the pitch dark. So Chance. I don't know why either. They've had. Now this is the third time that they're like, let's talk about the breakup. This is the third conversation around that. But it gets better and better every time they talk about it. though. (sighs) So they're meeting up to supposedly get closure around the breakup. So Chance walks up and I guess. He sees Taylor's kind of cold. He like no. Cold. They started talking, and she she rubbed her arm, the the infamous cold signal. And he was like, "You cold? You want my jacket?" She goes, "Okay." So he takes his jacket off, and he holds it out for her to put her arms through. She's her back is to him. She puts her arms through. He wraps it around the, her front, and then locks her in like a chokehold with his arm, and tries to kiss her neck and <laughs> sniffs her, like. Almost that stiff, like he's a vampire. He wants to bite her neck, but he loves her too much. He's <laughs> definitely gave predator. Gave, gave like assault is about to happen. Like it was, I'll, she has to wiggle out of it and be like, no chance. I just want to lick your skin one more time, baby. Chance is on this whole heavily regretting that they broke up bend. Chance on that shit, okay? He's like, I wanted us to be he's family on that stuff. who goes and like has Taco Tuesdays and Burger Fridays. And sits and watches movies together. Taco Tuesdays. 
Like he had this ideal Brady Bunch style family in his head, even though that's not what they did no, at all. He as a, had as a couple. some crack dream in his head. I don't know what he had. Heron, crack, meth. I don't know. He's on a lot of stuff. And bear. But Taylor doesn't even point out that that didn't happen in their relationship. She's stuck on him cheating. She wants him to admit he cheated. And that's going to further fuel her validation that she knew all along he'd be a cheater. Then Chance brings up, I'm not the only one cheating, bitch. Yeah. She brings up that Taylor was talking to some dude online. Taylor rightfully says that that's not the same thing as sleeping with somebody else. And Chance concedes that he did sleep with a lady at a bar. So, which I think that's a lie. Had to be a prostitute. So he says he's at the bar. This lady comes up. They're talking. Next thing you know, his penis is in her mouth. No, he says they're talking, and then he's commiserating with her. He starts telling her about what's happening in his marriage. or not, No, not marriage. Relationship. In his relationship. And because she was showing compassion, she then asked him if she could, if she could suck him. And he was like, okay. And then he slept with this lady hard, apparently, while thinking about Taylor. I don't know how that made the situation Where better. Where they do that at? had to be the parking lot or the where back. some girl just randomly feels so sad for you she's what she just wants to give you they're in a small town hey. weirder things have happened hey. okay he's just the luckiest dude on the planet no i have stories for you about small towns bars and people linking up like this it used to happen all the time where i used to work mira mesa no what no Anywho, sure. point is, there's, I don't want to say small town mentality, but there are people out there that are like, I'll, I'll just, I just want to sleep with somebody. I want a physical connection. I don't care what the rest of this is. Let's just go. I'm a dude from a small town. That's so random. But, but everybody's yeah. related, so that's different. So, But Taylor says that her talking to somebody is not cheating at all. And Calvin agrees with her that that's not necessarily cheating. I disagree. You talking but, to another guy about us does not give me the right to put my penis in somebody. I didn't say it did. I didn't say it justifies Chance's actions. Literally, but it sounds like you did. It's also not equivalent. It's not the same thing at all. I'm going to need you to write that down and sign your name to that. So It's that not happens, the same. But what I am saying is... I have legal rights to do what I, I want to do. I feel like Taylor also needs to take accountability... Documentation, people. ...about her, her actions in the relationship as well. Nothing she did justifies what Chance ultimately did, which apparently is sleep with five people, one of which is a man. Um, but if you watch the earlier seasons where she can't wait for him to get out, she immediately distrusted him off rip, off the bat. And she figured out how to view his messages, clone his phone, track him. Like she was doing a lot of things for somebody that was very indicative of somebody with trust issues. Much early in the relationship before all this stuff popped off. If I'm a grown man and I can't handle that, I should be grown enough to tell you I can't handle that. That's too much for me. I'm out. But also, if you're a grown woman and this is your go-to, I think you also need to address, listen, I have huge trust issues. I have huge trust issues, and I need to work on that for me. Shark tank it. I'm out. Shark tank it? What does that mean? I'm out. Doesn't Shark tank, when sense. they bidding on stuff, they be like, I have this company. I need $50,000. Okay, I'll give you 10000 What does that got to do with what we're talking about? 
he needs to Shark Tank and he said, I'm out. I can't handle that. I'm out. How is that like Shark Tank? Said, I'm out. Anywho, she just totally missed it. She doesn't get it, people. What? Anywho. So, then Taylor decides to have a conversation with Chance on how many times he cheated. cheated. Yes. So, we're going to reenact that for you now. Who are you going to be? I'm going to be Chance. Of course you are. Jamal All right, ready? I'm going to be Taylor. You want me to be Taylor? No, you don't know any of the lines. Ready? Sure. All right. How many people did you sleep with? <sighs> Probably five. He had a magical cigarette. I still don't know where he got this cigarette from also. How many were men? One. None. Wait. What? Huh? None. One. None. What? I didn't sleep with any guys. <sighs> okay. I have. I went to my buddy's house. All right. Okay. I, okay. I went okay. to my buddy's house. I went to my He's buddy's gay. house. He's okay. Gay. We got drunk. And right. He came on to me. He came on to me. All right. It's and not like I got off. It's not like I got off or anything. But it you know, did happen. But it did happen. Okay. But, you know. I didn't get penetrated you know, or nothing. He didn't touch my prostate. You know, I mean, I was I don't like, mm, and then, then that was it. That look kind of shoulder. I don't know. For certain, maybe. Kind of. I don't. I might have liked it. I don't think I liked it. Maybe not. Maybe so. I don't know. And then it's, a, then it's an aside in a confessional of Chance being like, I don't care about being <laughs> gay or not. If I was, I'd shout it from the top of the hill. No, you wouldn't, man. Clearly, you were uncomfortable. Anyway. Cocaine's hell of a drug, I'll tell you that much. Anywho. Like, and it's see. okay. It's okay if you like guys, too. That's a thing, man. You could be bisexual. That's a thing. There was no ball slapping my butt. I'll tell you that much. Chance also <laughs> declares they're now done-done because he's done having this conversation. You know what I'm saying? If I'm done-done, I'm done-done, son. I'm like, if you're done-done, then you're done-done, son. Cut to no sense. him and Taylor in the same confessional. And him being like, this is your last chance. This is your last, is your chance. last chance for us to be together. And it's still Taylor being like, no. And then he's like, fine. Fine, I'm out. I could have loved you better. That was life after lockup. In its entirety. Thank you for listening to We Like That Podcast. So we like that. Go ahead and click that subscribe button. You know you want to. And rate us five stars. I'm Javon. I'm Calvin. Later, people. And we're out.